Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Valley show. Today, we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Christina Petit. I, was gonna, <laughs> I, I had to get that wrong, didn't I? You know? Petitalia. Uh, Petitalano? Now, let's get this right. Yeah, close enough. Petitaliano. Petitaliano. Yep. There we go. It, was, it really wasn't of, that hard. Yeah. It's like... No, it's a lot of a lot of uh, vowels. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Vitiano. Is is that is that Italian? I'm going to say Italian, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Italian. Yeah. Very heritage. So, awesome. Well, listen. First of all, welcome to the show. Now that I've completely fluffed up your name, so we'll, we'll moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Christina, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Um, well, my name is Christina Vitaliano. Um, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States. And um, I just finished well, publishing um, a book called Every Nine Minutes. It's my memoir. It, it takes place over the span of about 30 years. But my real life um, for what I do now is um, I created a company called Monster Mini Golf, where indoor family entertainment centers all monster themed miniature golf. Wow. Okay. So yeah. how, long, how long is, well, let's start with the mini golf. I mean, where, where did that start and how long has that been going? We've, uh, we're going on 18 years. We started in 2004 and I originally came up with the idea because I needed to raise $5,000 to edit a book I wrote about 20 years ago. <laughs> so that's really how it started. Um, I, I had quit my career. I didn't want to take up my entire life being a workaholic anymore. So, and I want to do something that was fun. So I created this cool indoor mini golf course that was all black lights. And I figured me and a friend could run it. It'd be easy. We could raise the $5,000 I needed to edit my book at the time. And then, um, and then I could balance my life. Uh, so we opened that in 2004. Um, by the end of that first summer, I was like, holy cow, this is really something. Um, we franchised it in 2005. So now we have, uh, you know, 17 years later, we have 30 locations across the United States and two in Canada. And my book sat on my desk until COVID hit. Wow. So um, when COVID hit, the world stopped, obviously. Um, And I said, I I really should do something with this memoir that I've been sitting on. Um, And 30 locations later, I had the $5,000 finally. Yay. Um, so, and self-publishing and it's things had changed so much in the publishing world over the span of 20 years, um, that I self-published and it mm. came out in May of this year. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about it now that it's out in the open world? Uh, the first six weeks, terrifying <laughs> because, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to put it all on paper. Um, and then I sat on it for 20 years and now, honestly, 20 years later, um, I'm much older and smarter and wiser. So you're, it's, that's good and bad. You're more aware of so many things. Um, so a bit of being naive when I did write it to some degree was good. Um, but sitting on it for 20 years, um, 
it was out of my system and I put it on paper, but when you publish it, it's back. It's now everything is raw all over again. And you're letting the world, even the people, you know, which is harder than the people you don't know, um, learn about your entire life. Yeah. yeah. But once it's out there, Hey, it's out there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, cause one of the things you talk about, and you know, you mentioned on your website, you know, saying if my words or story can show someone in crisis or need that there is light at the end of the tunnel, you know, they can get past this Then sharing my story with, uh, was something I owed to myself. And unfortunately too many others like me, maybe together we can make a difference. And that's yeah. beautiful. I mean, it, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but obviously there's a lot here and it, it's been a big journey for you to, to come through that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's the difference in age and wisdom is that if you have to some degree managed to, and I don't say survive it. Cause I think I don't, I don't like the word survivor, even though literally, obviously I'm surviving, I'm breathing and things like that. But, but nobody who goes through a traumatic experience, whether it's a one-time um, issue or ongoing for many years, um, you don't survive it. It's never gone. It doesn't leave you ever. So I think it's more that you have to balance it in your life and not let that overcome you. And that's the constant balance. And when you realize, holy cow, I can do this. At least I think I can do this. Then you kind of have your life. But surviving, it just doesn't help. I mean, sure, we all breathe and we get up in the morning, but some of us have become where it owns you for the rest of your life. And that's that's a tough place to be. And that's it. I mean, it's sort of possibly getting into it almost too quickly, but it's, you know, that's a question that we have is how do you stop you living your past in the future? Yeah. You know, just this replay, right? Yep. Yep. And it's a struggle. And, and we know there's so, so many of us, um, we all know people that are in that predicament um, that are and it's adulthood. I think it's weird. I mean, as a child, when it was happening, I was so young and then it happened over the span of so many years when you're going through it as a child or coming of age, because you don't really become an adult until we we're in a, well, late, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm in my fifties and I'm just realizing, Hey, I think I got this thing called life. You know, it takes that yeah, long. I'm, I'm responsible for stuff. But when you're a teenager, you think, you know, it all when your twenties, you think, you know, it all when your thirties, you think you got it as an adult. None of that is true. It's all bullshit. <laughs> but, um, I think when you're going through it, whoever it is, that goes through it. You make yourself deal with it. And for some of us, it became normal. So you would go through it and go through whatever that experience is you have to deal with. And you get up and I left the house and I didn't want anybody to know what was happening inside that house. And I wanted it to be normal. So you condition yourself that that's how you live. When you've left it, which was me at like 18 when I moved out, it takes a very long time for it all to catch up with you. And the smarter you get and the more experience you get in life, the more you realize everything you've been through was very, very messed up. And then it starts to affect you, which is really weird. Um, so then the balance comes in. How do I not let what happened to me many years ago affect who I am today? And that's not easy. You know, and that's why we have friends that have been through this um, that are drug addicts or didn't survive it, actually died, you know, um, or so many other addictions or vices that they had to grab onto just to get up in the morning 
to what we call be a survivor, which is really breathe and walk. That's, mm. you know, that's really what it is. Um, surviving is one thing, overcoming or balancing it is I think of what you try to achieve to, you know? So that was a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, please. It's, you know, would, would you class, does this come under, you know, is it trauma? Is that the, is that the sort of overarching? Um... It is. I think so. Cause you know, I think it gets, we get tagged as abuse, which obviously it is abuse, but the trauma of the abuse is so, so much deeper than the actual abuse. It's becomes secondary. And then for some of us, the people around you in that network while it was happening can have just as much effect on, on who you are and whether it, you know, takes your life over because as a child, we're born just instinctively to trust the people who are bringing us up. And when that first thing is ripped from you and stolen from you and somebody steals your innocence and your trust, that's a hard way to start life, you know? And, and some people just never get it back. It's hard to get back. Or it's hard to deal with life when somebody stole it. I wouldn't say you ever get it back. Yeah. I kind of imagine almost it's, 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 n it's not having a, a center point. It's not having a um, knowing what normal is per se. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's, you, you make your own normal. Hmm. And sometimes you find out years later that what you thought was, you know, your normal was way, way, way messed up and you shouldn't have done that. But that's, you know, we live and learn. Yeah. 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 Tell us uh, what, what does fire in the belly mean to you? Huh? <laughs> um, it means to me, and this is just me, fire in the belly to me means, okay, something is happening that I really need to stay on top of and be aware of. To me, it's to me, if I have a fire in the belly, that means, oh, red flag, open your eyes, stay alert and, you know, be on top of something. Um, and I think a lot a of sign or a message type thing. Is it? Intuition? Yeah, yeah. To me, that would be a signed message. Yep. If I have fire in the belly, there's a reason for it, well, you know, and you usually to me, it's stay on it, you know, yeah. it's something that you get and it's something you live with every day, every day. I think some of the, um, for lack of a better word, some of the good things and not that that's the right word by any means that come out of being in a situation for a long period of time, um, is that you teach yourself how to be very, very alert. So you teach yourself body language, you teach yourself when somebody says something or, so you, it's almost like you've taught yourself to be a profiler at, you know, at a very young age. So when you've done it over decades, um, the upside is, is that somebody can walk up to you and within minutes, you've prof, whether you wanted to or not, I instinctively will profile somebody. It doesn't mean I'm always right because nobody's always, you know, right 100% times, but majority of the time I got it. But I thought that everybody had that. So as I got older, and this is like the last couple of decades, you realize that your adult friends aren't like that. So sometimes you look like a complete, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or anything, but you look like a complete ass when you say, that person's not safe. You shouldn't be trusting what they're doing. And your friends are looking at you as if you're a crazy person because the average person doesn't see what you see, which is weird, you know? Mm. 
And I don't know if that's good or bad. Sometimes it's actually bad. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, is it essentially heightened senses? I mean, it's survival, yeah. survival instincts at its, at its yeah. highest form because you have to survive, right? Yes, because when I was young, that was the most important thing in the world. Oh, that noise is happening there. So that means I need to be very aware. I need to do these six, six things, you know, in order to survive the next hour. It's, but it came natural because that's just who you were. That's how you had to survive. You know, what's your earliest memory of the abuse then? Uh, I started at four years old. And I, and I, I just have, I'm, I'm the kind of person that everybody knows me says, Oh my God, your memory is insane. I don't know what I had for lunch yesterday, but, but your memory, you know, is just, I relied on it so much. I, it's almost like you teach yourself, don't forget what happened yesterday because you're going to need that to get to that next step today. Cause as a child, you don't know anything. So it's almost like every day that you're learning something is so brand new to you and you say, okay, Yesterday I knew A and B so I can get through A and B because I got to survive C, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, it was just getting to that. To me, it was always getting to the point where I didn't have to be in that house. So I was in a race to learn as much as I could so that I could get out and survive without any of those people, which seemed normal to me, which was not normal at all. Now, that I think of it, but, but mm. it was you just get driven, you know? So what was the first event and how did it all start? Was there a trigger? Um, uh, you mean, how did it all start? Like how did the abuse start? You mean, yeah. when did it start? Yeah, I mean, yeah so my mom, my mom um, married my stepdad. So there you go. Um, in 1969. Um, and he had three boys, little boys. All were all about the same age. I was four. They got married. And then, whammo, there's a girl in the house. And then guess what? This guy's a bad guy. So, um, it started as that's the earliest memory that I have. I remember, you know, where I was the bedroom. I remember all of it. And then it just didn't stop, um, you know, for years, decades, variations of it, because as I grew, things changed a little bit. Um, and now if I look back, because everybody says, why didn't you say anything? Um, anybody who's not been in the situation will say, why didn't you say anything? Um, because you, at a young age, you, you just don't know how to handle stuff like that. But for me being that young, I remember thinking to myself, my mommy wasn't happy before this. And now she's really happy in this. She has a family and to her family and him family was great. You have to have a family. So I could either be like the jerk and speak up and say something and make my mommy unhappy, which was, I never wanted to do that. And then the other fear as you get a little bit older is if I say something, what if they get rid of me and keep the family? And that's a bigger fear is that I'd end up in an orphanage because she loved him so much. And that becomes your, your bigger fear, especially as you get older in the eight, nine, 10, and, and even early teenage years is holy cow. That's terrifying. Do you know why your mom loved him so much? I have no idea. To this day, I mean, my, why? You know, there are. Everybody says uh, probably my number one phrase in life that I actually sets me off is, "But it doesn't matter. She's your mom, you know, or she's your mother, or she's your dad. That's your dad. Oh, it totally matters." And I, everybody has that. 
you know, it, or blood is thicker than water. There has to be a time when you have to say, this is too much. You have to cut ties. Um, to this day, she still, she was still protecting. Yeah, just, that's just life. I don't know what to tell you. Was she, how aware was she of what was going on? While I lived there, and I would even say um, up until I left when I was 18, maybe the last couple of years, I wanted to believe she didn't know. You know, in your heart, you say, okay, she doesn't know what's going on. And she's a very, very weak person, very weak. And everything is, no matter what happens, she's going to relate it to how it affected her and how we should be taking care, you know, just kind of the person that she is. Um, but once I left the house and I was an adult and I had boyfriends and then got married and you realize that when that person you're sleeping with gets out of bed, you know it. You know, and I didn't know that because I, I was a kid. You don't, you don't sleep with anybody when you're a kid. So I remember being an adult and the first time my partner got up and went to, you know, either the bathroom or whatever, but was gone for a longer, probably, ten, you know, time than they should have been for whatever reason in your head. I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, are they okay? Because your first instinct is, is the person I love okay? Hmm. So, oh, I hear the bathroom, I hear something flushing. Oh, they're okay. You know, so you're coming back to bed and they're back to bed. But that's instinctive. If you're, you know, if your partner gets up and they're missing, eventually you wake up, you know? And then I realized, holy cow, this has been happening for, you know, that happened for 17, 18 years of, well, whatever, from four to 18, from four to 18 of my life, she knew. And then as you get older and wiser and all of these things, you get so much more aware of in real life that wasn't in your little cocoon. Then you start to realize every day she knew. Oh, she definitely knew. Oh, wow. And then you get angry. Yeah. Mm. And then you have to overcome the anger. <laughs> Can I ask, and it's probably a very personal question. I mean, we talking physical abuse or sexual abuse or verbal abuse i mean more. Uh, sex, all sexual abuse yeah all sexual abuse not not physical not beating beating me up ever because in real life this all happened at night um only in my room and never on the outside world on the outside world he was the guy everybody loved the funny guy you know oh. just why would anybody not like him so it was yeah he wasn't the guy that you look at and say oh that dude's weird um, which I think a lot of um, a lot of children who have been abused, that's, you know, I don't think you look at the guy or, or the or the mom and say, oh, they're off. There's something wrong with them. In most cases, they look normal, hmm. act normal. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and to know, as you say, to retrospectively, to sort of first wonder if your mother knew and then as you say i mean listen most households mm -hmm. you know, everyone kind of knows what's going on anywhere in any oh, household yeah. you know it's yep. you know curiosity one of the um the weird like when you said hey when the book came out how, how how does that feel so once i published the book and it was out for the world to see there's strangers who read it and will message me or email me and say hey thank you, you know, or this is what happened, or, or this is what happened to me. So you hear their stories and that's heart wrenching. But there's another group of people that I know that, you know, will say, Hey, I read this. I grew up in your town or I live so-and-so, or I knew your mom and dad. And 
let me tell you something else. And you're like, Oh dear Lord. <laughs> like, how did I not know you get, I get so mad at myself for not being smarter when I was a child, because all of these things that happened in my life, um, there were some crazy, crazy things that happened in our, in our lives, you know, that you're just like, Oh, well, that's, that's, that's how things happen. Um, and then you learn, no, they plan that. And I didn't know that that tragedy was planned, you know? Um, it's, it's insane, you know, <laughs> that, you, that, and you look at how many children, too many children live in these environments and it's, it's crazy. It just is. How, what, what state did it get to then? I mean, with, with your brother, no, I mean, was there ever proceedings and, and were, no, he, he passed. So, um, for those, I don't want to give anything away in the book, but, um, my dad isn't, isn't living anymore or my stepdad, but, um, uh, so he was never confronted. Right. Um, the rest of my family did. Um, I, I finally said, look, this is what happened in, in my life. And, um, and really it didn't matter to them. That was their hero. So I must be lying is that's a really short version of that one. Um, even to this day, even when the book came out, nope. I mean, my, the people you should trust the most are the ones that, that, are the first ones to publicly just lambaste you and, and then teach their children. Cause now we've, we're so old that my, my siblings have children. Um, and it, it's worse. My, my brother, my older brother who followed in his father's footsteps, um, in my opinion, cause I'll just say in my opinion, um, has children and one of them is a girl. So, you know, you, you hope the only thing you can do is hope that what you've written is exactly what I said, that somebody reads it and it helps them or somebody reads it and says, ah, I haven't said anything. Uh, maybe I should speak up because this is happening either in my house or to somebody I know because it's weird. We live in a, in a world um, in a time right now where people are talking about everything and they're speaking up about everything that they think is wrong or they don't believe in, or they believe in and more than ever because of social media or just, it just this generation is a little bit different than probably those of us, you know, before them, but, but still with all of the speaking up and all of the yelling and the screaming and tearing down of statues and this and that, nobody will speak about this still. Celebrities new, that's a new thing for them. They will. Um, which good. I mean, I think anybody who's speaking about it is great, but I think, and I look at, this as my opinion from my, my view. If I was a child or young or impressionable age, like that teenage age where this was happening to me and there was a celebrity saying, Hey, you know, I was sexually abused and it happened all these years and, and blah, blah, blah. Still not knocking that. Cause I think everybody should always talk about that. Um, I think I would say, Holy cow, I relate to her or him but I'm not going to speak up because that person is so just a celebrity. Isn't me. And I must, I would still be afraid to say something. So I think that one of the reasons why I said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to write it is because I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not anybody, you know, super important. I'm your average person who I, I did. I can, I learned to balance it, which is a good thing but I, I don't have a billion dollars. I'm not, you know, I don't have all these people around me taking care of me. This is everyday life and I'm living it. 
And that's more relatable to me than a, a celebrity who I do admire. And you need that person to speak out, but you say to yourself, well, I'm never going to be them. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think it would happen today? What? The whole what you went through. Do you, has anything changed, do you think, in, in that time, in that time scale? No, no. I think hmm. it's still happening at the rate it was happening then, if not more, because it's just more people in the world, but absolutely not. I think it is. Um, so the title of the book is called Every Nine Minutes. And the reason it's called every nine minutes is because here in the United States, every nine minutes, a case of child sexual abuse is reported. Reported. So if you talk to most abused children, if they will, even if they will tell you and you ask them, did you ever report it? I'll bet you 80% plus did not. So we live in a world where every nine seconds, somebody's reporting it which is terrifying when you think about the reality of all of the people, including myself, who never reported it. So no, it's not any better. In fact, worse, because in this day and age, I don't know why it just seems like, um, in America anyway, that men can get away with, and, and I also think that I, I want to be very clear that it's not always happening. It's not always the man that's doing it. Sometimes a woman is, is sexually abusing a child too, which is completely insane. But, um, but here in America in these last three, four years, it's almost acceptable to get away with it. That's our new guys can do anything, you know, they're cool. I don't, that didn't exist as far as publicly being okay. And that's America. A lot of politics here, a lot of you know, who we look up to as, as people who are better beings than us. And I don't know why it's happening. Do you, do you see your mother as one of the abusers, given that hundred percent she was aware not enough? Yes. Yes. Um, to me, she's as, as evil of a monster as, as he is. Um, and I don't say that it's like, well, that was a sickness. Well, I don't care if it's a sickness or not. Bad is bad. But um, but if somebody is stabbing my friend and I'm sitting there watching it, that makes me kind of an asshole too, you know? I mean, I, I could have I actually could have stopped it. I don't know what, and it's not that it's it's worse because it's there is nothing worse than that, but it's it's certainly not any better. You know? I've I've had people in my own world that um and then I, I i don't want to say too much but they know something bad is going on in a household and when i tried to say look there's a little kid here um this is the history of this family we should do something about this because that's a young child that's going to get destroyed the response was, don't you ever come into my world and disrupt anything. I'm about to get a brand new house and I've never had a house in my life and you're going to mess this world up for me. So that was my first slap in the face of, oh, oh, people are, are, are selfish. They don't really care what's not happening or, you know, happening to not them. Um, and that was 20 something years ago. And I see that person on social media and I say, I feel responsible because she's not okay. Um, and she, she's 
she's not, you know, I, I put people in the, Hey, there's people who have learned to deal with it like me. And there's, there are some people and it, and this isn't good or bad, just as a result of that person that did this to you and just who you are that have decided that they're going to go with it. And their abuser is still the person they love that. And that's a majority of, you know, it just is your parents. They, they can't deal with the, how do I not love this person? So that's, it's hard to watch as an adult to see somebody else that was a child now an adult, now an adult internally dealing with it and never admitting it. Um, it just different people, you know? What, I mean, as you said, to, to have this happen in, in your inner circle, the people that sort of are closest and, and supposedly love you the most, you know, how do you not just lose it? Because there's almost nothing <laughs> static in your life, if that makes sense. You know, it's like everything you thought was safe and, and, and trustworthy is, is unsafe. In fact, it's, it's dangerous and untrustworthy. I, so how, I, how do you find stability? I don't now or then. Well, I suppose uh, originally then, you know, at the time, because. Yeah. Then I, there, I had learned to condition myself and I'm not that this is not a good answer and not the right answer by any means. Um, by the time I was in my teens, what was happening to me was normal. Like, okay, I'm going to, I didn't sleep, you know, or I half slept every night. But okay, well, this I gotta live through this. That's done. But it doesn't, it's like, I don't know. Um, if you work in a donut shop and you eat donuts for that first week, they're awesome. And then after you know, years and years go by, you don't even notice them anymore. It's you, I learned to not notice it. That's pretty much what it was. And as I got older, um I, I and I say lucky, I was fortunate enough to know that the outside world is different. Doesn't mean that everybody is like this guy. Um, and then you realize, holy cow, the outside world is different. That's, that can be cool and fun. And, and as long as nobody knows what's happening inside. My fear was nobody ever, you know, I don't want, I don't want anybody to know because they might treat me weird. That's, that's, and I think that if you ask, a lot of people who've been through this um, and why they didn't say anything because it's embarrassing, you know? It's, you don't want anybody to know something like that happening because the average person thinks that that's, I don't know what, you, they just think that that makes you broken. Unfortunately, it almost confirmed your worst fears, right? That yeah. you, know, you talked about this sort of fear of speaking up basically equaled being orphaned. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. that's kind of what happened. It seems. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. It, so you there's so many stages and you wonder why so many people don't survive it. And by survive, I mean, they don't. Life just doesn't isn't normal. You know, they just can't they can't lead a normal life. Um, but that's why, because you just slapped in the face day after day. You know, It's like, OK, I got this. Oh, no, no, no. That shouldn't have happened. But it did, you know, no matter what the right reason was, people, people make choices and lots of people choose to make the wrong choices because it's better for them. Doesn't matter 
if there is no whole pitch to look at, you know. I, just human beings aren't always good people as much mm. as we want them to be. Do you know why your father was father-in-law was like that? Um, or your sorry, your stepfather. Probably. That's okay. Um, I don't, you know, and I used to think, and this is really weird reason, but this is a kid's reasoning. I used to say to myself, my mom married a, a guy whose wife passed away. His, his first wife had passed away, but my mom married a guy who had three boys and they're very close in age. Um, so I remember thinking to myself, there's a reason he doesn't have any daughters. And my mom gave him a daughter. And I always say to myself, <laughs> and I know this, this is a child because I'm thinking if, if he didn't have a girl, would he have been like, would he have not hurt anybody? But yet, boom, you know, here's a girl, do what you want. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I think he, he, I don't know what made him like that. I have three brothers, um, four, I have four brothers because they had a child together too. Um, and one of them is just like him, in my opinion. <laughs> How's that? But, um, but yeah. And, the other ones are not. So I don't know what makes somebody like that. But they do. Um, but I do think that generation after generation, they breed more of them because they grew up in that house. So um, a child's instinct is to be like their parents. You know, how many times, I mean, how many god awful, and I, I watch every crime show there is, but how many of those things do we watch? No matter what happens when you're sitting there trying to figure out why this guy murdered this person or why this person did this or why this woman was a serial killer, um, it always comes down to their childhood. And they're this and they're, you know, and yet and, and, and in a lot of cases, then there's another one right behind them. But yet we never do anything about it ever. And the systems in America, I don't know what they like in your country, the system is horribly broken, horribly corrupt. And everybody is okay with that. Or the majority of people that are in it, obviously, are okay with it. Um, and those who aren't are just beat to death for trying to fight a bigger army. So, I don't know. I, um, I had a guest recently, and, and they talked a lot about honor killings. Mm -hmm. And... I can't help but see the the parity here. Yeah. And, and the honor killings being, you know, it's like if you have a daughter and, and you know, not a son and, you know, if she disgraces the family, literally it's the family almost turn. Yeah. Turn against. And it's, it's almost similar here. It's like, how can this happen? Yeah. You know, listen, I mean, first of all, privilege, right? You know, we're sitting yeah. in here and very comfortable and all the rest and, and saying, you know, mm -hmm. I don't believe it's it's so extreme. It feels so extreme. How could this possibly happen? But yet, unfortunately, I think you probably don't have to go too far to find it's happening not that no. far away, which is scary, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Not that it's any better, but if it was if it was rare and, and happened just you're like, oh, oh. I heard about that. That happened 10 years ago somewhere else. No, no. Odds are if you go three doors down in your house, eventually you're going to hit somebody in your neighborhood that this is happening to. Not that anybody would admit it, but 
yeah, that's a that's a problem. <laughs> it's a serious problem. How do you how do you stop it? I to me that was so people said, How did you why did you share? I'm like, how did you share your entire life? Because it's I just put it all out there. Here is the bad that happened. Here is the bad that that I did, I think, to make it worse, because you know, we learned that all yeah, you have to be honest if you're gonna do this. Um so one of the ways I hope to make any kind of a change is exactly how we started. This was, Hey, maybe if I put it out there, somebody will go, ah, all right. And maybe just start a chain reaction, but it has to take a lot of screaming and yelling and just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm an adult now. I don't have children. Um, I, I I'm successful with my life so I can afford to take the time to yell. And I feel that, well, one, not everybody can because they're trying to just get by every day. So I don't know. I, I, I just want to be able to yell for other people that can't. I know what that's like, you know. Mm. What, what's been the, the penalty and the reward for you for sharing, you know, why, and why did you start 20 years ago? and you know, what, what triggered it 20 years ago and, and sort of what was it COVID um, that sort of decided on, on putting this to bed or putting it out to the world once and for all? <laughs> uh, when I wrote it 20 years ago, I had just met my husband. So that was my trigger back then was, okay, uh, I, I'm going to, and he pushed me, he says, why don't you want to do something? I said, yeah, I want to write about it. So he supported my writing. Um, and that was the first time I had ever talked about it with anybody too. So that's, that is part of the, part of the memoir is getting to that point. And then, um, back then, uh, I would say, well, it was about 680 pages on the first draft, which is way, way too long for a book because I could only write my entire life. It's the only way I could get it done. So then when I had to have it edited, um, and it was before self-publishing and things like that, that was overwhelming to me. We didn't have any money. We, we, we came, we come from nothing. So that's how I, I said, well, what if I start something that has nothing to do with the way we make our regular living and then we'll raise the $5,000. So that was that beginning of the story as to how Monster Mini Golf came to be. And then as I started um, this company and got wrapped up in that, uh, I fell back into the same, I'm a workaholic. So that was my vice. Um, I fell back into the, oh, my job needs to be, I'll do that later. Hmm. And I did that for 17 years. And then when COVID hit, I think so many people, we all sat down, we had nothing to do. <laughs> the whole world came to an end, you know, I, that, who knew? Um, and I, and back of my head every single day for those 17 years is I have to publish that book. I have to, that's, I got to get it out there. I, I want to do something. That was me saying it, um, but never sat down and did it. And then I just finally did what's what's been the penalty and what's been the reward for releasing the book uh i don't think there's been any penalty other than it you know it's out there it's raw again but i'm okay with that now um i don't i don't see a penalty to any of it at all uh the reward is 
that I actually did it. I mean, for me, I was like, holy cow, I think I was ever going to do that. And I did it finally. I don't care if it's good or bad. I just, I just did it. Um, the downside is, is that I do still work for a living. In fact, I have way too many jobs, but, um, and I get mad at the end of the day because I don't have the time that I want to have to put into doing this, what we're doing here today, promoting the book, doing any of that. Um, but that's my impatience. You know, I, I will have time. I just, you know, life and your responsibilities, which I have a lot of, um, you're responsible for first. So. Where does your genius lie? I mean, where, where is your, you know, if we were to give you an open stage or a blank canvas or an empty room, you know, where, where would we find you? What is your point of creativity and what would you be creating? Um, I think a couple of things. One, I want to do public speaking on this subject. So I would just want to do that all the time. I just want to be able to get the word out there and talk to people um, and get them to understand that they're, they're not alone. Um, so that's one thing. If I was just going to be creating things, I am, that's what I do. I mean, monster mini golf, I, I create a different venue every single time we build one. But if I didn't have to do the work thing, we call it, um, I would just be making, I, I just like to make stuff and I'm not an artist by nature, but, um, but I, that's, that's what I would be doing. I don't know. With a bazillion dogs and my husband. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that's really about it. I'm a simple person. I think. I'm, I'm still curious. I mean, $5,000 in the, the challenge of this, I don't know many people that go, let's build a mini golf course. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm My sure a lot of people would say, get crazy. a second job, you know, <laughs> shooter, do something, right? Something sort of lower hanging fruit, you know, uh, build a mini golf course. I don't know that it's that low down the tree. I think it's fairly high up. I mean, yeah, well. I was coming out of being a workaholic when I met my husband. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do all of these things and work 24 seven anymore. I get it. You have to have a relationship. Um, so my background is in, uh, you know, retail management, just regular, you know, working in shops and being managers for those places over many years. And then from there, I went to nightclub and restaurant management, which was even more hours and later hours and all kinds of craziness. Um, so when I left that, and then eventually got to the point where I said, okay, well, now I have to publish this book. Um, that's a really short version of that story. Um, I wanted to create something. I always like to do something that nobody's done. So that, that's a, that's a, an issue with me, I think. But um, my, I, we lived in a very small town in Northeast Connecticut. It was a low-income town, like an old mill town. So many, many families were living day-to-day and eating and feeding their children if they were fortunate enough. So it was a really poor town. Um, so my husband owned a, um, a production, a sound production company where he would supply equipment to concerts and things like that. And um, I had been doing antique auctions. That's what I was doing while I, after I quit my career. So really when I make this story as short as I can. Um, and then I, I sold the antique business, which is really a mailing list. So while all of this writing was happening, everything was happening. I got done. We had, we had this empty space in an old mill, really, really like a hundred year old mill. It was dilapidated, probably should have been torn down. And my husband stored his concert equipment in one part of it. And I had had my antique auctions in the other. 
Now it was just this empty space. So that's how it started was, hey, here's an empty slate. What can I do with this to raise $5,000? So in my head, I thought, well, whatever I do, it had to have three things. It had to be, I had to be little to no overhead as far as expenses go. Um, it had, I wanted to do something that was entertainment oriented and it had to cost less than the movies because in my town, all I heard from parents was the movies are so expensive. We can't even take our children to the movies anymore because by the time you get done, you've spent over a hundred dollars. I thought that was sad. So I remember saying to my husband, I just want to create something that's fun, less than the movies and me and a friend can run it. So that's how I got to mini golf. It was backwards, you know? So what are, what can I do that includes all of these three things? So I remember being on, we were on our ride home from New York one day and he was working and we were just driving home late at night. And I said, I think I know what I want to do. He says like, what? I said, I want to do mini golf indoors. And I remember him saying, why? Because <laughs> we live in, you know, New England, it's beautiful outside. Why would anybody, you know, want to play mini golf indoors? And I said, well, because it's only nice out for three months a year, the summertime and the rest of it, it's freezing cold. And I need to make money for, you know, all the whole year. So it was really just kind of deductive reasoning, common sense that we ended up with mini golf. The only reason it's black lights is because the mill was old and terrible. So black lights means, you know, whatever you paint in fluorescent colors is what shows up. Everything else is hidden. And monsters were two reasons. One, the mill was old, looked like monsters belong there. But monsters were the only thing that I could make with no money. So if it was train themed or car themed, I couldn't afford to put those props in there. But monsters are whatever come out of your head. So I'm like, well, if I can take, you know, $30 a week or $100 a week and go buy paper mache or anything I found, found objects, I can make a monster. Um, so that's how Monster Mini Golf came to be Monster Mini Golf. It wasn't like, hey, I got this great business idea. <laughs> it was how do I how do I get to the next step? Yeah. There's not many people sort of design a straight path and walk it. I mean, yeah, as you say, you, you generally, it, it reminds me of scuba divers coming off a boat. They just sort of, they're incredibly cumbersome and they just fall backwards into the water. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much how most people do get into business of some form, you know, and then after a while they learn to swim and then they start to look graceful, you Yeah, know, but it was never pretty to start off with. Right. And I think that's probably from, like you said, when you're young, when I was that young, it was always like, okay, I got A and B, I got to get to C. So to me, that is such, that's how I think. Everything is like that. This is done. This is done. Now let's get to the next one, um, which is good and bad because once in a while you just got to stop and breathe. And I have a problem with that. I'm always just get to the, get to the end, get that done, check that box and, and move on. Um, and don't die or don't let anybody kill you in, in the meantime. So my life is just a giant video game. I think is really what it is. <laughs> big game of Frogger. Yeah. Was it, was it all about the money for you or was it the achievement or, you know, cause never about the, well, okay. So when we had no money, yes, money is the coolest thing in the world because you need it to pay your bills. So I never wanted to be rich. I don't care about being quote unquote rich. I always wanted to have all of my bills paid and never have to worry about losing a house. So this is, and if you read my book, you'll, I've gone through all of these things. I want to get in the shower and I want there to be hot water. I don't want to take any more freezing cold showers in my life. 
So yes, money, because you need it to, to live comfortably and have heat and things. But if you look at our house today, um, you wouldn't know that we are the people that own this house. And you know, we live in a very normal looking house. I mean, it's cool. You know, it's better that it's, it, it's an average house, you know, um, all of our franchisees who own the monster mini golfs that, you know, we franchise to live way better lifestyles than we do. And it's not because it's just because they just choose to, that's all, you know, mm-hmm. we have one car between the two of us. We don't, we just, I have a lot of very cool toys. I can tell you that cause I collect toys and art, but <laughs> But it's not where some people get some, you know, it is about the money. Um, it just isn't. I don't know. Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Yes and no. Um, I like that. Um, yeah, I like, like I get from the day. I'm like, uh, I like that I can sleep at night. Well, besides actually literally being able to sleep at night. But I like that I've, this has made me the kind of person that will speak up. If something is wrong, I am going to say something is wrong. And if, and if I have a way I can take a shortcut in life and, and you got to make, you got to step on some people, or if I can take that road that is going to get me to that same point, but it's going to suck out loud because it's going to hurt doing it. I'm going to take the right road. And that's, that's who I've become because of the result of my family. Mm. Um, and people don't always like that. So that part I do like about myself because I would go down doing the right thing before I conceded to doing something that isn't right just to get what I want. That's that part I like about me. What I don't like about me is that um, I would do that for everybody before me. <laughs> you know, it's not about me. It's about is the right thing, the right thing. I, I tend not to, I'm learning. I'm getting better at that is is taking care of, you know, if somebody says, Hey, do you want to do this? And I think they want yes as the answer, but I don't want yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's welcome to being conditioned and, and doing what you think everybody wants to hear. Yeah. There's, there's two sides, you know, yes and no. Um, yes. Mm. It's multifaceted really, isn't it? It's yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Hmm. And the transition for you into a relationship, was that straightforward or does it take a lot of adjustment? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, over so many years of doing just the wrong thing for exactly the reason I think that we just stated was, Oh, this person wants to hear this. So I'm going to do this. Um, and you just get to that point where you just hit that wall and you're either really, really angry. And you, uh, to me, I was angry at myself. What's wrong with you? How can you keep repeating the same thing? What is wrong with you? Smarten up. Um, but it takes a long time, you know, to get to that point. You, you have to get slapped in the face a lot. I think, you know, as much as we say, we, we learn quickly. Some of us don't in certain subjects. Yeah. And we all, we can all admit that we don't in certain subjects. <laughs> yeah. It took a long time. Um, my husband that I'm married to now is, is the one who, who I, when I wrote the book, it, I was with him. So we've been married since 97, however many years that is. <laughs> Before I'll save you the month. Yeah. No children mm-hmm. though. I, I, yeah. So no children is a direct result of, of what happened to me. I just chose not to bring children into this world. 
Not that that's right or wrong. It was my choice. Yeah. That's understandable too, right? Mm, I think so. I think a lot of us probably don't. And then the other part, have children swearing they would never just to say, I just want to bring a human being into this world and take care of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's personal. I mean, do, 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 you, do you think, I mean, are you, or do you think you ever will be able to sort of close that gap between who you are and who you truly are inside? I don't know. No idea. I just not answering you honestly here. I don't know. It, I guess a lot of it will um, depend on whether I do get the chance to make a difference with this. Um, I think that would make me feel, I don't know, like I've helped somebody. Like all this suffering was worth something, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's intense. Um, you know, I used to think that when I was younger, when I was a little kid, if I can just be good, be the good child they want me to be, then when I get big and I'm an adult, and I'm going to use this really loosely, um, God will make sure my life is great. That's a bunch of bullshit because God doesn't give a shit about not that he doesn't care, but but there is no payoff for, you know, hey, just because I, I've endured all this, you get like a gold coin at the end. Uh, you don't. There's one has nothing to do with the other. And that, like, even to this day, I'm like, God, geez, I, I've been through all this crap. Do you have to do this too? Yeah, life happens. You know? Yes. That's a tough one to swallow if you believed that when you were younger. And I did. Hmm. Yeah. yeah it's 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 sickening when the when the sort of the ripples or the 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 pain and the you know yeah just the the, the, the repercussions continue yeah you know yeah especially if yep. the person's past as well i mean it's yeah yeah that's huge it's huge yep that's I, the balance you know I just want to be respectful of time here. So, I mean, really, yeah. tell me, you know, what, if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, Christina, what, what would they be? Um, fire in the belly right now to me means, um, I don't know, just, just be resilient and speak up. That's in mm. my head. That's my, that's my number one thing in my life now. Yeah. Make a difference. Make a difference. If you can. Yeah. Doesn't mean everybody can't. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but make a difference if you can, especially for those who can't. Yeah. yeah. Choose. Yeah. Where where can people learn more? You've obviously the, the book itself is called Every Nine Minutes and mm -hmm. it's available on your website. Yes. Uh, I have a website called one, two, three, Christina V like my last name, all of my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is one, two, three, Christina V. Um, and then if you want to learn about monster mini golf, it's monstermini.golf.com. Fabulous. And I would recommend go have a look at the site because it's, it's very cool. And for anyone that's <laughs> just listening on the audio, the, the background that you have is fantastic. It's these Thank you. fluorescent <laughs> characters, very, very character, characterful, you know, <laughs> beautiful. You. Beautiful Thanks. as well there. So is there a, is there a message you'd like to leave with our guests before you go? I just know that you're not alone. If if you're in the same predicament, um, you're not alone and it's okay to feel like you do. 
Um, it's also okay to speak to others like myself who've been there. Everybody needs help. You're not, you know, nobody's an independent warrior. It's not, this isn't an army of one type thing. Hmm. It'll take an army. Yeah. Wasn't sad. It takes a village to raise a child, you know. It almost, does. Takes an army to to <laughs> to get through. Yeah, to rescue situation. a child. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, Sorry about the dogs. <laughs> that's okay. Perfect. Listen, Christina, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And like right. I said, the, your book is available for sale on your website and also on Amazon. Yeah. And listen, I know people want to learn more, so feel free to go to the website. And thank you for your time. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. And I hate to cut you short. I just got to run. <laughs> Perfect. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. I'll talk to you Take by care. email. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.